Welcome to the Bippity Boss Podcast. My name is Alexis Boyette, and I am a character entertainment specialist, business expert, and six-figure entrepreneur. I am obsessed with helping you achieve financial independence in the industry of magic. If you are looking to massively up-level your business, your life, your finances, your productivity, and your success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything your heart desires. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and the teachings that you need to create the business and lifestyle of your dreams. I know you will get so much value from these interviews, so thank you for pushing play today, and now let's begin. Hello, queens, and welcome back to the Bippity Boss podcast. I am so excited. I have Danielle here from Australia. She is a decade-long owner of a character entertainment company. She is just phenomenal. She's kind. She's beautiful. She has everything going for her, and I am honored to have her as a guest in the Bippity Boss podcast. So hello, Danielle. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. And hello to all the queens and party business owners who are watching us today. Yay. Okay, so let's, I know that we had a little brief chat before we started recording. So I want to catch people up a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit about you, your experience in the character entertainment industry and the evolution of your business? Because I know you've been running it for like 10 years now, which is amazing. Sure, of course. So I have been performing for most of my life. So I was uh, one of those kids who, you know, all the dance classes, all the singing and all the acting classes. Um, I did my degree in musical theatre and then after uni I moved to Sydney. So I'm actually originally from a small town in um, uh, South Australia, about an hour south of Adelaide, which is the main city there. So I'm a bit of a small town country girl. Um, yeah, so when I moved to Sydney, I was auditioning and pursuing performing work. And I was also working in a shoe shop and I was working really long hours and it was really hard and um, just juggling that with auditions and trying to still um, do singing stuff. Um, it was a, It was a tough life. Um, and then I ended up getting a contract and going over to China, which was sort of at the time it was like my dream because it was like a, a full-time performing gig and a professional contract. Um, but while I was there, I sort of realized, oh, it's, I, I'm kind of a, like a home girl. I kind of don't really like this traveling lifestyle. I kind of want to stay in Sydney and um, I don't want to miss out on, you know, having kids and having a family and I just – I had this vision of my life sort of being going from contract to contract auditions and jobs um, and never really having any job security. So I um, wanted to come up with a way that I could do what I love, which is performing and stay in Sydney, which which I love. It's my home. And also eventually have kids, have a family, buy a house and all of that kind of normal things that everybody wants to do as well. So that's when I came up with the idea of um, starting my own entertainment company and I had always just been really good with kids both of my parents are teachers and I'd had a lot of experience teaching myself so it kind of made sense to make it revolved around kids um, with that being the point of difference which sort of made me different to other performers around so that was in 2011 so that's when the idea came and then I did a short business course 
um, to sort of prepare me to start the business. And it was launched in mid-2013, but the first six months, nothing happened. It was like, get the website up, get the Facebook up, make a few photos, and literally no one called. So it took six months before the calls started coming through, and then the bookings came in in 2014. So the business has just got bigger and bigger every year, and it actually, it all happened faster than I thought it would because it was making six figures after um, after those two main years. So by, by 2016, it was six figures, um, which I don't think I was quite ready for. <laughs> so it's been a big learning curve, learning as I go. Um, but it's, yeah, it's become uh, one of the biggest party companies in, in Sydney. Um, and we also have a big, like a big hand in the corporate entertainment markets. So we do a lot of stuff with shopping centres and we've worked with most shopping centres around Sydney. So it's got bigger and uh, hopefully we'll still continue to get bigger. Absolutely. Well, that's amazing. First of all, I wanted to say congratulations because what an incredible feat, what an incredible journey for you as a woman. And I want to just touch on something that you mentioned. You said that you weren't really ready for that six figures. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So what I mean by not being ready about it, it's not really ready for the um, the business side of sort of the finances and the tax responsibilities and the uh, in Australia, we have GST, goods and services tax. Um, once you're over 75 grand, you've got to charge 10% um, extra for GST, pay that to the government, and you've got to report it quarterly. So um, all of that stuff, I'm not really a numbers person, so all of that stuff was so confusing to me. And um, that stuff all became a bit messy, and I ended up having like falling behind and then having to play catch up with that. So that's the sort of thing that I wasn't really ready for. And also, I don't think I was really ready to um, to have such big events and manage such a big team because in 2016, I had a, in that Christmas season, I had about 40 to 50 performers on, on all different jobs. So I was really just like hitting the ground running and, and learning as I go. That's amazing. Okay. And so because your success scaled so quickly for you, what would you recommend to someone that maybe they just started their princess party company and they really want to scale it to six figures? What advice would you give them? So I think um, always being versatile and um, like I started with, with just princesses, like um, I know a lot of the other women and a lot of the other party company owners here will be. Um, but I think just don't limit yourself to just princesses. So the thing that drove me into that six figures was actually Christmas entertainment. So it was actually things that were completely original. Um, Christmas elves, Christmas fairies, Santa's helpers. And the, the best thing about that was there's no copyright issues to think about. Um, so yeah, think outside the box. Don't just think princesses. Add in the superheroes, add in the... Um, all the other sort of popular TV and movie inspired characters, but then also focus on the original characters as well, because for me, that's where I've made the big money in with the shopping center stuff, um, because I don't want Disney princesses or um, superheroes because they're worried about copyright too. So when you have your original um, clowns and elves and fairies, that's when you can really sell to, to that market. Um, I think my other tip for scaling is to act bigger than you are, because that's that my secret that I always did from the start. So it's never, I can do this for you and I can do that. It's always we. 
Um, so I've been saying we since the very beginning. So even when it was just one person, just me, um, I was always saying we and referring to the team. And people just, when you talk the talk, people just imagine you're this big company and then before you know it, you kind of are. <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly how it works. And it's, it's, that's actually a very important part of manifestation. You were literally subconsciously manifesting your reality. You were already embodying being the person that you wanted to be and you know having that tax bracket that you wanted to have just in your actions just in the way that you spoke and the way that you presented yourself on a daily basis and that is one of the most powerful tools of manifestation so you literally manifested your six-figure business in that two years just by embodying being that person that you wanted to become that's incredible thank you you're very welcome yeah of course okay and then i also wanted to chat with you uh, about how you maintain work-life balance. I know you mentioned this Christmas has been crazy, um, but I had a lot of girls trying to jump into creating Christmas events for corporations and reaching out to them regarding their current events they already have scheduled. And they started doing that at the beginning of December, which means they were a little late to the game because as you know, you have to do it months in advance. How many months in advance would you recommend someone to reach out to corporate clients for Christmas events? It does depend a little bit on the client. So I find that the big, big shopping centers, they'll start as early as, as June or July, even though that sounds crazy. So what I would recommend to all the people packaging up their Christmas stuff is to, um, you know, get through the end of this year, do this year, have your break in January. But then I think get your costumes together and do a Christmas photo shoot. It's going to feel really weird doing it in February or March, but do that Christmas photo shoot and start working on a, um, a brochure of your Christmas acts. And then you can start sending it out around June or July. If you're getting in before they're starting to look themselves, then you're going to be the first person that they're looking at. Um, so yeah, find the shopping centers. They'll, if they're doing something big for Christmas, they'll start looking at it then because they'll, they'll often do big parades and there's a lot of logistics and they won't just hire you. They'll hire decorators and everyone else as well so there's a lot for them to plan um the smaller businesses like daycare centers they tend to leave it fairly last minute like a month before so uh, you can reach out to schools and daycare centers in like october and november and you can probably fill up the december calendar um but a lot of my christmas work actually happens as early as the end of october and um it's basically all the way through november and december so it's not just those last few weeks before Christmas, it's um, November to December. At least that's how we are in Australia. And I guess you guys are probably the same because you have Thanksgiving. So it, your festive season is even kind of longer than ours. Oh yeah, it happens the exact same because usually like November, December, mm -hmm. even October, that's when birthday parties kind of fall off. And um, even in January, birthday parties can get really slow because it's specifically yeah. the holiday season and people are only looking for holiday stuff. So I always advise everyone to just jump ahead and just try to beat the curve and just try to catch it before they've already booked someone else, you know? Um, and then also, you mentioned that you've been so busy because you guys just came out of lockdown in Australia. Um, so this year obviously has been very different to your previous years. But traditionally, how do you maintain work-life balance? Sure. So I've tried a lot of different things over the years. And, um, and I've been thinking about work-life balance. And I think you kind of need to to work out what's important to you, what you enjoy, and what stresses you out and kind of go with it from that because it's going to be different for everybody. Like I 
I like being busy and I'm the kind of person that I'll actually be happier and healthier when I'm, when I'm busy. Um, so I do tend to work um, six or seven days a week and that's okay for me, but it's not okay for everyone. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think it depends on that. But some tips that I have. So uh, over the years, I worked out one of the biggest things that I was sort of spending a lot of time doing was washing costumes. And, you know, washing costumes and steaming them, like hours and hours of steaming princess dresses before they go out for the weekend and also styling styling wigs. So um, like about 2015, 2016, so I was still fairly a new business. I hired one of the girls, one of the party performers to come into the office uh, one day a week or one day a fortnight and just literally just spend the day washing costumes because they all get washed by hand. So it's time consuming. So I think outsourcing, um, which I know is something that you're really big on, uh, outsourcing where you can is uh, definitely a time saver and a way to keep your sanity. Um, I think you need to think about what you want from the business so I've had a few years there where I didn't do the bookings myself and I um, I was purely just a manager um, I'd step in if we if we were short and we needed someone or I'd sometimes do the, the bigger shows um, but for the most part I wasn't doing bookings I think from from like as much as 2017 to 2019 so for those years I was mostly just managing um, and I had weekends off and it really, it was quite nice because uh, I would just relax and enjoy my weekends and, you know, you're kind of always on call. So I think you, you need to be prepared if you're the owner of this type of business that you're on call for the customers and if things go wrong. But you can still go out and have fun when you're on call and still be there for your customers. And I think also just carving out a bit of time for yourself every day. So self-care, meditation, yoga, your workouts, eating healthy, um, all of that really helps. Bit of TV time as well, just veg out and de-stress. <laughs> oh, I agree, sister. I'm definitely like a three or four day a week girl, like as far as when it comes to my work schedule. So outsourcing, <laughs> like it's been so important yeah. for me because I, I'm very much, I love to lead. I love to coach. I love to teach. I hate to manage. <laughs> Yes. Do not like so. And that's why I'm now a coach, you know, but yes, definitely like figuring out what your strengths are, where you want to spend mm -hmm. your most amount of time and then outsourcing the rest because so many people, they just, they get in their head and they think I can't afford to outsource. And so I just have to keep doing everything myself and they end up burning themselves out. They end up not being able to outsource. They end up getting it in their head that they can't afford it. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I mm -hmm. love the fact that you're self-aware. You meditate. You're like, have your work-life balance figured out. You know what I mean? I love that you're a fellow powerful woman completely on the opposite side of the world, making a positive impact in her own <laughs> way. Like, yes, queen. Yes. Thank you. And one thing I'll add as well is I think it's, um, for me, it's really important to every now and again, just close the business. So I've worked out the best time for me to do that is straight after Christmas for a good two weeks. And I'll even do it as much as three or three and a half weeks if I'm going to go on holidays. So when you take your vacation, it's nice for the business to be closed, closed. So not thinking about events while you're on holiday and, you know, hoping that the staff do okay without you. Um, I literally close shop every year for two or three weeks. That's amazing. I've but never maybe that's done that. the best time. <laughs> really? It's so good. 
<laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to take that piece of advice and tell all the girls to do that because it's genius. And it's just, I guess it was something I never did because whenever I was running my business, um, even though I was practicing manifestation and gratitude and meditation, even though I was doing all that, I still had this fear because I was only like in my first two years, three years before COVID happened. And mm -hmm. I still had this fear that if I wasn't working, I wasn't going to be making money. And that was really something I had to address within myself um, as far as feeling worthy enough to be able to still be financially okay when I wasn't grinding. Yeah. For me, it works because we are a little bit different to you guys in the States because in January, it's the summer holidays. So everybody goes on vacation um, and all the kids are away. So there's not many parties anyway. So it makes sense to close then. And it's sort of, it's kind of the done thing. A lot of businesses or the government agencies, they all close up for about two weeks. So um, I feel like there's not really any other time of the year where it makes sense to close. But for me in Australia, it, it makes sense to close at that time. And I have the best holiday when it's closed and I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, that's you have to just be able to disconnect. And speaking of which, Adelaide was my favorite town in Australia. When I went there, I love Adelaide so much. <laughs> really not many people say that that's so lovely <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know it's like a big small country town oh yeah and like they i love that you guys i went to one of the um conservations where you guys like it was like 30 dollars to go and you could hold a koala bear and you could go hang out with the kangaroos and then you guys had all the vineyards and my favorite beach i ever went to in australia was i think it was called blowhole beach glen elk Ooh, so it's it's south of Adelaide, like an hour. Okay, it's probably down in my area. Um, so I the beaches where I grew up, it's like uh, Maslin's Beach and Moana Beach and Seaford Beach. They're, they're oh, really good. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> I have to tell you which it is, beach it was. Yeah, it's a really nice area. It's quite untouched and... Um, yeah, not very commercial. And the crazy thing is the real estate there is so much cheaper than it is like to be near the beach anywhere else in Australia. Yeah, it was Blowhole Beach. Oh, okay. I actually don't know it. I'm going to have oh, to go. You, yes, you're going to have to go. <laughs> yeah. It was the most beautiful beach I've ever been to. I went on Halloween one year. It's a little bit of a hike, so plan for that. But I had the mm -hmm. whole beach to myself. And as I was walking back, I've totally wore flip-flops. So horrible idea whenever you're hiking in the Australian wilderness. <laughs> but I wore flip-flops and um, I still had a great time. But as I was walking back, I kid you not, my favorite birds are the pink galahs. And there was a freaking giant flock of pink galahs and it was at sunset and they just came over the hill and there was like wild kangaroos jumping. And I just, I was by myself. I just burst into tears of like joy, just like burst into tears. Yeah. <laughs> Australia is so gorgeous. Yeah. I love those pink galahs too. They're really cute. I get some, there's a pack opposite at my house. So they, they hang around here. Um, no kangaroos here in the city of Sydney, but you only have to go out like 30 minutes and you'll see the kangaroos hopping around, which is really nice. So everyone always sort of assumes like, oh, you've got kangaroos at the end of the street. And um, we say we don't, but we kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And magpies. The yes, magpie birds. Mm. 
They're really vicious. They swoop, they attack at springtime when they've got their babies. And I've literally had a chunk of my head taken out by a magpie before. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I've never had any negative experiences with magpie. They've never attacked me, but I love like the noise that they make whenever they're like laughing. Um, yeah. My first one, I think it was my first night when I was sleeping in Perth, I was like out in the wilderness in Perth and, um, they had magpies outside of the house. Right. And I didn't know, like, I just woke up. I had just flown in from America. I'd woke up at like 4am to the magpies, like, um, doing their laugh. And if you guys oh, haven't, you mean. Oh, the kookaburros. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> Not magpies, kookaburros. Yeah. The magpies are the black and white ones. They kind of do like a warbly sing song sound. They've got a really nice sound as well. That's quite unique. Um, but kookaburras are the ones that laugh and they're really cute. And they sound like hyenas. <laughs> they yeah, they're, they're pretty crazy. I love them. I was sleeping. I woke up because I was pet and house sitting and I heard the laughing. And for those of you who haven't heard the laughing of a kookaburro, I will attach a YouTube video so you can hear it. And I thought there was hyenas outside of the window. And the, and the next morning I woke up and I walked into the kitchen and I have my little Australian family, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, so I got a little terrified last night at like 4am. Um, do you guys have hyenas that live out here? And they're like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I heard something and they're like, Oh, the kookaburros. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, definitely no hyenas. <laughs> you know, when, when we're in America, we get told that Australia is like this place of death, you know, like the snakes, the birds. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> we've got so many dangerous spiders and there's sharks on all the beaches and we've got crocodiles up in the Northern Territories, the brown snakes and yeah, most of the venomous animals in the world you'll find here. <laughs> Yeah. You do have to be careful. I never had an issue. I literally went all around Australia. I never had an issue with any animals trying to hurt me at all. Like it was phenomenal. And I've been quite a few times. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that one that no animals in Australia will ever hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they leave you alone if you leave them alone. And most of them are cute and cuddly like kangaroos and koalas. Uh, yeah. And Rottnest Island, your little, um, little, I don't remember what they're called um the little you know what I'm talking about the little quokkas yes quokkas yeah they're really cute <laughs> they're adorable yeah they're really funny people take selfies with them and they they do crazy little cute faces and yeah they're very cute <laughs> i did i took a selfie <laughs> i totally like laid on the ground like someone one of the australians was like you know you're laying in the dung right and i was like it's fine i don't care <laughs> okay, funny. So now that we're talking about Australia and, you know, mm -hmm. your selling strategies for Australia, how do you think that selling to Australians is different than perhaps selling to Americans or Europeans? So I think you guys have it tough because you have Disneyland and Disney World, right? We don't have any here. There's no Disneyland. There's no Disney World. So our customers don't know what the Disney Park princesses look like. So what our customers want is they want our princesses to look like the movies, the cartoons. So that means most of the country, most of the companies, they're not getting those $1,000 gowns that everyone has in the States. So if you look at my Instagram, I think that our costumes are, they're okay. They're not the, the top of the line, you know, they're not, um, they're not park quality, I wouldn't say. But our costumes are considered like 
pretty much the best out of everyone in Sydney, um, which I think tells you some of their costumes, I'll be honest, in Australia are quite poor quality because I don't think that's where people are putting their focus. Um, I think our customers are, because in Australia we, we pretty much all live in the, in the cities, um, we're not really spread out like you are in the States. So everyone in the city is like busy mums, working full time, everyone coming to the party, the same thing, busy mums, working full time. The most important thing for them is that we entertain the kids and keep them occupied for that one hour or two hours that we're there. So they don't care so much um, if we look like we just walked out of Disney World. So I think that's sort of the main difference. And I feel for you guys because I... I know it must be hard to sort of to compete with that with the parks basically but um we don't really have that here and also the trends i feel like the trends are different i actually get more inquiries for random things than i do for say cinderella so um we do like a lot of like tv inspired parties like paw patrol um we do some really weird and random things like somebody once had a party in the theme of Sing, the movie Sing, and we did the character Ash the Porcupine. So we've done some quite random characters because the mums are just really creative. They they choose whatever the child is into that year and they have their party in that theme. So there's, there's so many different themes. It's, it's, I don't know if you get that the same in the States or if it Sometimes. is so much princesses and superheroes. Um, well, for me, I never, I never tried to keep up with the Disney park. I never did. I think I bought one Disney yeah. park dress and it was a bell dress once and I loved it. It was beautiful, but I was never about that life of spending thousand dollars in costumes just because I couldn't justify a child mashing cake into my sequins and me spending yeah. that kind of, right? Like, <laughs> it's just, that's not like party princess, uh, gear you know what i mean like when you're going to a birthday party you need to expect that these kids might try to you know feed you cake from their fingers or you know rub face paint on your dress or whatever it may be the kids just they go crazy and um i feel like you can invest in nice costumes that aren't exorbitant in cost and still get the same effect and deliver just the same amount of incredible as the performance um we do get some custom character requests. Usually we get a lot of anime requests, but we also get a lot of fur creatures. So talking about your hedgehog, was your hedgehog a live action or a fur? Uh, live action. So I, I did it actually myself. There's a photo on my Instagram. I'm dressed like, it's crazy. I've got like this mullet porcupine hedgehog wig and like this little black painted nose. And they actually have a second movie coming up. So I'll have to do something with the costume again. Um, but as much as possible, I try to do everything live action because, um, you know, mascots is just something really different. Like, I feel like mascots are great for photos and cuddles and dancing around a bit but they can't do much like i don't think they should speak that's just my personal belief that i don't think the mascot should speak like in disneyland mickey mouse doesn't speak unless um it's in the show and it's pre-recorded you know um so ours don't speak and we've only got a couple like um we've got like a really cute teddy bear it looks like a real life teddy bear and things like that um but I feel like 
they don't offer the same value to the customer because they can't do much. They can't play games. They can't sing. Um, they can't manage the kids. They certainly can't face paint. So because of that, I've created a bunch of really bizarre characters that really should be mascots, but we've done them live action. So like Paw Patrol, we've done like um, our version of Chase and Skye and uh, Marshall, the Dalmatian, but as human characters. So it's really, you have to take a little bit of creative license to transform them into a human. And then of course the kids will, will ask you like, why are you not a dog? Um, but we'll say things like, oh, we've used a little bit of magic to come in human form so that we can come to the party today and um, things like that. So bit of creative license, lots of crazy characters. I love that. I'm the same way. Whenever we came out with Poppy from Trolls, I, I did a live action. I literally spray painted the ears myself. I did everything. I cut the yes. crap out of my finger and I still have a scar. <laughs> um, and I love the live action. And I was going to make a live action Paw Patrol dog person character, but I never ended up doing it. Um, I definitely want some pictures of your live action to share with everyone and to put in the, our little um description below the podcast so that way people can see what you've created because I'm very much the same believer like I think that live actions you still get to create an impact you can still have that one-on-one -on -one experience with the kid there's no like giant you know eyeballs and it's it's way more personal and I think that parents appreciate that more because you can also do more activities and more games with the children as well as you know deliver those ethics and those values in a way that mascots can't do so yeah I love that. I love that you've done that. Um, for you personally, because you're so phenomenal and I'm pretty much, you're, you're my soul sister in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that too. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Um, is there any other tips, tricks you would recommend? I have, now keep in mind, I have girls in New Zealand on this platform. I have girls in Germany and England, Ireland, um, all in America. So I have girls all over the map that are just coming out of a pandemic. They're still trying to figure out how to get their business back up off the ground. You know, they're dealing with the stress and anxiety and overwhelm that you and I already briefly discussed. Um, and obviously I'm really big on personal development when we're feeling these things because mm -hmm that's how we get through them. You know, it's um, fear and anxiety and stress are all uh, messages from our ego, letting us know that we need to pay attention to something that's going on internally and just heal. So what advice would you give to any company owners out there that might be struggling, maybe not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and may just be going through a hard time right now? I think when you're first coming out of the pandemic and, and first coming out of lockdown, um, I think first of all, you need to focus on your own mental health. I think that's really important. Um, we were talking briefly before the interview and I was saying that like Sydney's been, we had a lockdown that was four months this year, as well as all the lockdowns we had last year. So it was actually um, really um, a really difficult time. And I, I actually did suffer from depression and, and mental health issues because I, I live by myself, so it was just myself and two dogs in the house for four months with no work, everything cancelled. Um, and of course that uncertainty with the business and not knowing um, if you're going to survive and if you can pay rent next week. Um, so I really get that. It's a tough time for, for lots of people in our industry. So I think first and foremost, take care of yourself. Um, do what you can to heal um, and realise that um, yeah, it's it's a traumatic time and it's okay to, to have all those feelings. So so heal from it, 
talk to your friends when you can get out there and see your friends and family again um i recently finally got reunited with my dad and my grandma and i hadn't seen my dad since before covid so it was it was over two years um unfortunately it was for my grandfather's funeral but at the same time it was still nice to to see my dad my mum came over before this second lot of lockdown so that was really nice as well so yeah take care of yourself um self-care whatever you need to do to feel better and then with your business i think always try to improve and and branch out and you don't need to do everything but at the same time i think you should be versatile so i think if you're not doing face painting if you're not doing balloon twisting I think you should definitely add them to your services because really once you've got those those skills down and once you've trained a few other performers with those skills, it's really easy money. Um, like you can charge hundreds and hundreds of dollars for three hours in a shopping centre, at a daycare centre, at a corporate event, um, and it doesn't go out of fashion. It's always popular. So face painting and balloon twisting are a really big part of my business. Um, with the Australian market, that's actually something that's expected in the party package. So everyone does it. All of our competitors do it as well, um, which is another reason why we don't go crazy with the costumes because we're doing messy face painting and things as well. Like the princess does everything. She's not just there to, to sing and look pretty. She does the face painting and all the games too. Um, so I think branch out like that. Another really cool thing that I think a lot of people don't know about is glitter tattoos. Um, they're so, so easy. You're nodding. You look like you, you've done them maybe. They're um, painted on with a stencil with cosmetic glue and cosmetic glitter. And it's like an alternative to face painting. That's for us, it's really popular. Like we've just done, I've had four people a day for six hours doing glitter tattoos in one shopping center for all of December. And that's gonna, you know, that's the, that's all my rent and everything paid plus profit plus I can take my holiday in January and um, and it was so easy everyone can do it um, so things like that just adding things to your service um, getting when you do your Christmas offerings looking at things like just Roman characters nice um, Christmas snowmans and mascots or whatever um, and thinking outside the box so we also do like um, roaming dance acts so we'll have ballerinas i call them nutcracker ballerinas because the nutcracker is christmas themed so we have nutcracker ballerinas it's two really beautiful professional ballet tutus like what you'd see at the royal ballet um and quite simple they just do a routine and they'll roam around the shopping center they'll do their routine at various points and people love seeing them and taking photos with them they're really magical really beautiful and again, you can charge a good amount of money for, for that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, just focus on what else can you do that you're not already doing? So, because the more things you can do, the more money you can make and the more you can uh, get through those difficult times when maybe there's not as, as much parties. Because um, maybe, depending on your area, maybe people still don't quite have enough money to do the parties right now if they've just lost all their work for the, the last couple of years. And maybe in your area, maybe if there's still a lot of COVID cases, maybe they're nervous to have a party. So what else can you do? We tried doing the Zoom parties. Um, I know that's working for some businesses, so that's a possibility. For us, it didn't really work. But 
you know, having it there is is good. Good good to have it as a as a backup. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm going to be discussing with the girls in January, come January, we're going to be doing surveys for all these companies clientele and like what they want to see in 2022, like what type of characters, what type of packages, um, different things like that, to how to do like surveying their clients and making sure that they're asking these important questions. Because I feel like oftentimes uh, us as business owners, we don't engage enough with our clientele. We don't ask them questions on how we can improve, how we can be better, not only in our performances, but how we run our businesses and what we offer and like our price points and things like that. Because I feel like if we surveyed our clients more frequently, we would be able to make even more money. We would be able to make even more impact because they're the ones that we're selling to. We're not selling to these other princess party company owners and these Facebook groups. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like who cares what they think? You know, we need to care about what our clients want and what they think. And so um, kind of redirecting the focus away from negative aspects of social media and redirecting it back to how can we improve as women? What can we do to make ourselves happier, our own lives better, and also improve our businesses? I agree. And don't delete any of your inquiries I file all my emails into different mailboxes on my computer so in the downtime like in January I can go through the cold inquiries the ones that we didn't get and be like hmm, okay why didn't we get these ones and sometimes maybe it's just literally just a budget thing and, and other times it's like okay maybe that costume does need an upgrade or maybe we need to to do something different for this theme that they're, they're wanting um and also another tip for the newbies is the way that I started was I added my costumes as they were requested. So I started off with just the basics. I had just Belle, Alice, Cinderella, um, like a, I think maybe I had Sailor Moon just because I liked Sailor Moon and um, literally just added things gradually starting off with cheap costumes because I didn't have any like money. And I didn't, um, I didn't take a loan and I didn't go into the red. So I always, the business always paid for itself and it always had. Um, we now have over 400 costumes because it just gradually every year. So now it's to the point where I don't have to say yes to all the requests because we have enough. But like that's a good way to add them is to add them as they are requested. Um, wow. And do you have a storage unit? No, I have a house. <laughs> I have a house that's like rather cluttered with costumes. <laughs> that's what so, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, I could actually do a whole podcast on, on my storage tips. Um, but basically what I've done is I have a garage, a double garage, and I use that for storage. So I've got like metal shelving for speakers and craft materials. We also do craft workshops. That's another really good money maker for the shopping centers that's really easy to do. So all of that stuff is kind of on one side. Then I have, um, I use the Ikea wardrobes, the wooden ones that are sort of self-contained because I like the doors to be closed to keep them clean and free of dust. And what I used for storage is dry cleaning bags, which I get on rolls of like two or 300 um, dry cleaning bags on the, on the big roll. Um, they say you're not meant to store the costumes. You're not meant to store things in that, but if the costume is clean and 100% dry, it's totally fine. That's what I do with all of ours. Um, so I have some, yeah, some wardrobes in the garage and then some up here, upstairs. 
Nice. Well, I love your idea to do a storage unit class workshop. So <laughs> come February, you and me, Queen, we are going to tag yes. team on a class <laughs> to teach people how to store their stuff. Because for me, I actually got rid of all my inventory, sold it to my performers, and then I increased their pay. And that was basically my payment for them providing their own gear. And it was the best decision I ever made, like for my business, obviously it kind of, it takes away some of your flexibility when it comes to booking certain characters and certain performers. However, you know, you don't have all this inventory and you don't have a lot of loss when it comes to your cost. And so that's always an option too, for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the people that live in cities that have a lot of cosplayers. Yeah, I feel like there's sort of two ways to do it. And that way you mentioned, it does seem to be a way that works really well. Or the the way that I do it where you provide it to them, that works fine for me as well. I do have to say that it does cost me to have a big house in Sydney with the price of rent. But half of that is is tax tax deductible. So um, that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm claiming half my rent for the business. And because I'm literally using half of, it's a four bedroom house. I'm using half of it for work. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love and I love Sydney. And honestly, like, I mean, it's worth it. It's worth it to live in Sydney because Sydney's a gorgeous city. It is. It's it's gorgeous. And there's um, there's so much opportunity for the business. Um, Yeah. In a big city. So many clients, so many shopping centers. So yeah. Do you have do you have any plans for um, outsourcing to other locations in Australia? I do. And you know who actually got me thinking about it was actually you. (laughs) Because I loved how you were, um, before you started coaching, how you had your your company in the different locations. And it got me thinking and I thought, you know what, I have these 400 costumes, but how many parties are we doing every week? You know, even on a busy week, there's what, maybe 20 costumes out. That's 380 costumes still in my house. So I thought about somehow doing like a courier to the other cities in other states and putting a manager there so so I am looking at it but my partner currently is in Dubai and I'm kind of waiting till he comes to live in Sydney um, because I have two dogs and that way I can go into state and train the other performers and my two doggies have someone here I love that make a lot of sacrifices for those dogs (laughs) I love that. And I love animals. We all do. We're Disney princesses. We can't help it. Um, Awesome. Well, I'm going actually to release a course next year on um, how to scale and like how to open new locations and just like things to keep in mind when you're doing that. Obviously, Mm -hmm. every country is going to be different, but I feel like there's foundational principles that apply regardless of what country you live in. And honestly, expanding to other locations, if you can mentally do it, if you can do it without becoming overwhelmed, if you feel confident in it, and if that's like the direction that your intuition is telling you to go in, I say freaking go for it. Because I mean, I launched three locations and I didn't wait for the first one to be successful before I launched the other two. I launched them all at one time. And (laughs) (laughs) because that's the type of entrepreneur I am. Um, (laughs) I was just like, when I decide to do something, I just do it. And Yeah, honestly, the first year, hell, it was honestly hell, but I learned so many things that have provided me to be able to be a coach now. So regardless of the struggle, regardless of the peaks and valleys that we go through as entrepreneurs, everything serves us for a purpose. And I think just that realization is so powerful in itself. 
definitely. You definitely learn from your mistakes. I was a bit the same as you when I first started the business. I didn't mention in this whole interview, but I tried to start four businesses at once. Um, I was like, I'm going to do this because uh, my company is Superstar Parties. So I was like, I'm going to do Superstar Parties. I'm going to have an event company that does like just singers for events and going to do a performing arts school. And yeah, so that was like about six months. And then I was like, no, we're just going to do the, the children's entertainment. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think as entrepreneurs, yeah. especially as like powerful female entrepreneurs, we have all these ideas and we just want to get them all out regardless of if it makes sense. And you yeah. know, that's something we <laughs> learned. We learn, we're like, okay, you know, we got to take a step back. And just like with Bippity, I was six months in before I even launched this platform um, because I was figuring out what direction I wanted to go in and how I wanted yes. to do it. And I also made sure because I learned my lesson the first time I made sure to like pass the torch on my nationwide company before diving 100% into Bippity. So I feel like completing one task, like mentally for yourself is so important before you move on to step two. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm like, I'm just going to catch up get through Christmas and you know get on top of things and then um look at outsourcing and also um starting a couple other business ventures next year I love that I'm excited and hey if the world's open I'm coming to see you <laughs> yeah do it I've got I've got a spare bed here <laughs> oh I will I made I will. all the costumes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes, I'll just sleep like with the Cinderella dress, like kind yeah, of on that me. Yeah, will be like your blanket. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay, love. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you as a woman, as an entrepreneur, as an empath, as a manifester. Like my soul loves your soul. And I am so grateful for you joining me for this and for you speaking your incredible knowledge, your creativity and your power into this podcast, because trust me, it inspires so many people around the world. And I'm honored to have you as a guest speaker. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you as well for everything that you're doing for, for myself and everyone else in the community, because I think, um, you know, you can get so stuck in your own little world with your business. And it is so nice when we when we collaborate and we talk and we share ideas and brainstorm. Um, and also just, just having a coach and a mentor and someone to bounce ideas off is really, really valuable. And um, uh, I'm loving the, the platform and the app so far. It's all very cool. <laughs> okay well thank you so much sister i know that it's morning for you so you're probably getting ready to start your day um so i'll let you just jump into it and i'll talk to you soon thank you yes talk to you soon thanks again for having me have of a course. great day thank you you too bye queen see you later Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by visiting me on Instagram at Bippity Boppity Bankrolls or visit me on my website at Bippity Boppity Bankrolls.com. I love and I adore you and I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode. Have a magical day.